Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Hello, and welcome to Cop On Podcast, you beautiful, crumpet. My name's Owen, and I'm delighted that you can make it, whoever you are, wherever you are. Maybe you're on your bike, you're riding around the street, and you're listening to us. Maybe you're doing some kind of exercise in the gym, and you've got us in in your ears. Maybe you're walking to work, you're taking public transport. Um, maybe you're somewhere, I don't know, you're just trying to pass time, you're in a library and, I don't know, you're waiting while everybody else gets on with work and all you can think about is the Reds being top of the league. Five points clear, it's beautiful, isn't it? As ever, this episode brings together Liverpool fans from around the world, so this week we've got some very, very, very special guests. Gav from the LFC Day Trippers, Louis from the Cop.com, Sumeya in Zambia, Mark in Ireland and Linus in Sweden and we're going to talk about the joys of being Liverpool fans right now, the wonders of Liverpool beating Newcastle, the majesty of being five points clear already and the lovely prospect of preparing to face Napoli away in the Champions League as well as many other things besides. Thank you for listening. Uh, do get in touch, coponpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at coponpodcast. Enjoy this episode, my lovelies. Enjoy. I'll start off uh, with you, Gav, if that's okay, because Gav's joined us from the LFC Day Trippers as one of our special guests for today. It's absolutely marvellous to have you with us, Gav. And in case our listeners don't know, can you tell the listeners all about the Day Trippers? Uh, The Day Trippers is a podcast that was started probably about seven or eight years ago. Um, Covers everything with regards to Liverpool. Uh, we do we do daily shows every evening live on Periscope, live on on Periscope and YouTube at ten pm. We have a Monday show that comes out for download only, and we also have the Cop Table podcast that previews every game. Uh, that usually comes out on a Thursday or Friday. Yes, and it's absolutely marvellous stuff. Um, you know, do check it out, listeners. Check out the day trips if you don't already. It's superb podcasting, all about the mighty Reds. Absolutely lovely stuff. And I've also, uh, I'm also joined by another special guest. We've got Louis on the line, who's from thecop.com. Can you tell the listeners uh, about thecop.com, please, Louis? Yeah, of course. Um, so basically, we are a, um, a Liverpool fan app. Um, and I run the account along with a mate of mine. Um, he's been running it a bit longer than me, but uh, yeah, I've been running it um, a bit more recently. Um, yeah, and essentially we're just an app that's purely built for Liverpool fans. So we aggregate news, um, social media, podcasts uh, such as this one. Um, and yeah, just uh, enjoying being involved, uh, supporting Liverpool. Well, yeah, exactly. Do download the app, thecop.com, and uh, yeah, we're delighted to be part of it. Thanks for sticking us on there, Louis. Marvellous stuff. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, right, OK, well, let's 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 get straight into talking about uh, the Newcastle game. Um, a little review of it. Um, it was it was it turned out to be a lovely day in the sunshine, didn't it? Um but uh, you know, when we when you saw the lineup, we had we had no Bobby, we had uh, no Hendo, with a uh, Div coming in and Chamberlain coming in. Uh, Sumay, I'll, I'll I'll go to you uh, first on this one. What did you make of that lineup? Was it was it a sensible one for Steve Bruce, the Cabbage Man, uh, and his Newcastle team? Do you know what I think? Actually, it was expected 
Um, I didn't expect to see Hendo. I didn't expect to see Bobby. And I expected a few minutes for more than a few minutes for Ox, simply because I don't see Klopp dropping Bobby or Hendo for Napoli or for Chelsea. So where else would he have rested them? Well, that's a decent answer, actually. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, because it's the big Champions League uh, tie coming up. We'll, we'll, we'll go on to talk about that. But Sumeya, were you, were you sort of, when you saw that uh, lineup, were you confident of the three points? You were thinking, yeah, we can do this at Anfield, no worries. Um, maybe less confident than I would have been if Bobby had been on the pitch. I don't think Divock, I don't think Origi would have been taken off as early as he was if he had been um, contributing. I don't think he contributed by the time he went off. So I think it was an easy decision to get him off and get Bobby on because even with Napoli and Chelsea coming up, Klopp would not have sacrificed the three points for Bobby to rest. Oh, well, okay. Oh, yes, all right. A little bit harsh there, perhaps, Subair. I do understand where you're coming from because there was it was chalk and cheese once Bobby came on. But I was looking at some stats and it was quite surprising that, that uh, you know, Mo Salah made, you know, in terms of tracking back, for example, Mo Salah made two tackles in the match. Um, Divock was only on the pitch for 34 minutes. He made two tackles and he, he got 100% passing. He only made five passes, though. But, um, you know, I think he was he was doing OK, no, Sumer? I don't necessarily think it was his worst game. I'm not... No disrespect to him, because um, obviously he always puts in the work. He's a super hard worker, and he does... He's been a clutch player when we need him to be. That being said, and it's not disrespect to Origi at all, I just think, obviously, as we all saw, Bobby switched up the match completely... I wasn't necessarily worried that we wouldn't get the three points. I just think it would have been um, a lot more strenuous than it had to be had Bobby stayed off the pitch. Well, yes, you're probably right, because when he came on, he was he was majestic, mercurial. We'll, we'll get on to talk about Bobby Firmino. But yes, thank you very much, Sumer. And, uh, you know, welcome to Cop On Podcast. It's your first ever time with us. So thanks for being with us. And we have another new guest, uh, and that's Mark as well. In um, and I believe you're in you're in Ireland, aren't you, Mark? And tell us tell us about uh, you know your thoughts when you saw that lineup, and and uh, what did you make of it? Uh, the you know the first few minutes with the Div and the Div's performance. Yeah, I thought um, I, I wasn't as we said before. I wasn't surprised at the lineup. Um, the only thing that I was a little bit taken back by was the fact that that Milner wasn't. Playing. I mean, we all know that he gave up his international commitments a couple of years ago in order to focus on club football. So I thought that personally he would have been disappointed after staying back at Melwood um, for the international break. I think he would have been disappointed not to have, have started the game. But then again, Klopp could have had a word with him before that match and told him, yeah, we need you for, for Napoli away. I mean, if there is a game that has James Miller's name written all over, it is Napoli away because... Um, last season, that was the Liverpool's worst. I well, know we'll get onto it, but that was Liverpool's worst performance, probably one of their worst performances anyway in the top two or three of last season. So I think that we will need steady heads in that midfield, especially since it's an away game. But uh, I, th- I thought Origi did okay, and th- just to say that you know he came off obviously because of the injury at the time that he did. We didn't want to use Firmino then, but um, it's, it's not it's not definitely not the worst sub to have anyway, Bobby Firmino. 
Well, he, I mean, yeah, he's a, he's a lovely sub to have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Linus, after seven minutes of that match at the start, um, it ended up being 1-1 by the time Div went off. But it was, uh, of course, 1-0 to Newcastle. Jetru Willems wellied it in. And Linus, were you cacking yourself at that moment? Or were you thinking, now it's OK, we've got this. This is uh, three points. We're going to come back. No wazzers. Well, I wouldn't quite say cacking. I would more say I was a bit concerned because we weren't playing very well. Our attacks were getting uh, intercepted early and we didn't really seem to be uh, on form. But I have faith in the team and I think we're, nowadays we're strong enough mentally to be able to come back in these kind of games. And uh, as soon as uh, Bobby came on, I, was, I got even more confident because I really hadn't been that fond of uh, Origi this game. I think he, he really didn't do much. I think he, he his passes were 100%, but uh, he also tr- lost a couple of tackles and got dispossessed and he didn't really produce much. So I was a bit worried uh, about his playing and uh, then the rest uh, of the team weren't really performing to the to the standard we're used to so I was a bit concerned about the way we're playing but I w- still had faith in the team well it's a re- yeah I mean it's a reason but I do understand yours and had Sumeya's uh, um you know criticism of of, of the divok and uh, yes how yes he he wasn't setting the world alight but but Gav we we weren't setting the world alight for that whole, you know, first 25 minutes or so. I mean, Mane scored in the 28th minute. It was a very sluggish start, wasn't it, Gav? I suppose it was. It was It was a sluggish enough start. You know, Newcastle didn't look like they wanted to attack us too much. I happened to get an opening. Um, I think it's Atsu gets gets the long ball under control and, and gets it to Willems. Um, a little bit disappointed in... in in Trent for the goal, you know, he, there's nobody inside for Newcastle. He should be looking to let this guy go outside and push him outside, push him into, push him away from goal rather than let him come in. But having said that, Jetro Willems is all left foot. So when he comes in on that right foot, you're not expecting him to do what he does. A little bit disappointed maybe in Adrian as well. Um, I watched it with a friend of mine in London yesterday and we thought he maybe goes with the wrong hand. Um, but look, it's a decent strike, and it's a, it's it's a little bit of a wake up call. I think Liverpool needed. Just going back to just going back to Origi and 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 stuff like that. Um, one of our guests there said they they were surprised they didn't see Milner. I agree. I thought we would see Milner, whether it be in midfield or deputising at, at left back. It wasn't to happen. The big the biggest problem for Origi is if he's in that side with Firmino. I think he's a much better player. I think when Firmino isn't there to orchestrate. You know, Mane, Salah, or Rigi, or, or whoever it is, I think I think we suffer a little bit, and maybe something where we need to look at maybe a slight formation change when we have to bring the likes of Rigi or Shakiri or or whoever it may be into the attacking lineup because Firmino is unique in what he does. But yeah, it was a sluggish start. But look, I was never panicked. You know, Liverpool are an outstanding football team, and yeah, we give Newcastle a goal, but. I never thought for one second yesterday we wouldn't come away with the three points. Even when Shelby uh, tried to whack one in from the halfway line, could have made it two nil. Um, well, you see that Shelby, you know, if Shelby, <laughs> if, if if Shelby had any sense, he doesn't he doesn't do that. He takes the ball and he moves forward and he tries to find a player and he and he has Newcastle on the attack. But John Joe Shelby, Shelby being John Joe Shelby, decides to shoot from whatever it is fifty yards out. Um, 
but no, no, not not concerned whatsoever. I think this team two three years ago, you probably would get concerned and think it's going to be one of those days. But this side is a different animal now. It's you know setbacks don't really affect us. We we get on with our game. We believe in ourselves and. And listen, by the end of most games, the players are justified in what they what they think and what they do. Yeah, I mean this is a different animal, as you as you were saying, uh, Louis. This is uh, this is a, a team full of um, wizards, really wizards of the football pitch. You know that moment when when Robertson uh, danced a Highland fling, did his jig around uh, their right back and laid it off to Manny. Um, you did know that it was going into the top corner, didn't you? When Manny took that perfect first touch. I mean, you know, what do you what did you make of Robbo's performance and and Sadio Manny yesterday? I thought um, I thought Robbo was excellent. Um, it might be a bit harsh. I don't think he's fully hit the ground running this season. Um, obviously, there's a lot more pressure on him these days. He's obviously the Scotland captain, and um, people know how good he is, so he gets targeted more often. But I thought he was excellent yesterday. To be fair, he was very good against Arsenal as well, but yesterday might have been his best performance of the season. He was getting forward more. Um, and yeah, him and Mane, when, when they link up and Mane comes inside, once obviously once Mane's in that position, you know, it's, top, it's going top bins, no doubt about it. So yeah, I thought he was excellent yesterday, both of them actually. And, uh, you know, about Manny's second goal on 40 minutes. I mean, if you were a defender, if you were the goalkeeper, you could blame the goalkeeper. But for me, the thing I loved about the second goal was that uh, was that people are scared of us, aren't they? They're scared of seeing Sadio Manny running at them. And I think it was the fear that allowed Sadio to, to tap that one in. And, uh, you know, how pleasing is it to see Sadio on top form, Firmino on top form, Mo Salah causing trouble, you know, problems wherever, whenever he touches it as well? Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I think, I actually think Mane is slightly underrated. Obviously, everyone that watches football knows how good he is, but he's arguably the best player in the league, in the greatest league in the world, like, He's an amazing football player, world-class, turns up in the big games, can score so many different types of goals. But, um, yeah, I, I think Klopp would have loved that second goal particularly because I think it was um, Matip and Gini were um, pressing and uh, Harry and Almiron in the middle of the pitch. And, you know, he loves goals like that. Press, win the ball, straight to one of the front three. And, yeah, I, I'd love that goal. But, yeah, I love, I love seeing Mane do well because he, he deserves it. And he just seems to get better year on year for us. So, yeah, I think the sky's the limit for him at the moment. Yeah, you're right. It's 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 incredible to see his his growth and his development. Um, yeah, Sumaya, what do you what do you you know what do you get from watching these guys? Mane, I mean, you know, to bring us on to Bobby Firmino as well uh, and Mo Salah. Their performance yesterday, Sumaya, just give us some words. I think about. Um... You know, the things that we've been through as Liverpool fans. So I'm 25. I've been watching Liverpool for something like 15 years now. And I think about the beginning of this season. This was the first time that the beginning of the season came round. And I was so excited going into it and had genuine expectations for us. You know, last season was lovely. No one expected us to be there really at the beginning of the season so it was a nice surprise this season i'm i watch these guys i watch the likes of van dyke and fabinho who i feel like we've been missing for so long someone like fabinho uh salah mane bobby and i feel like you know what we could go for everything 
we could we could go for any give us any team on our day we will take them out and that's that's just such a good feeling you're absolutely right so 15 years ago when you started watching Liverpool god uh, god my maths isn't very good 2006 2007 it was Rafa Benitez going into Hodgson um yeah so you've lived through the Hodgson debacle as well so I started watching football around the time and I didn't really understand it very much at this point but I just about saw Istanbul happen I didn't really know what was going on but I knew we were really happy <laughs> And then everything kind of just went downhill from there. And this feels like the first time there's just, there's so much hope in everyone. You're absolutely right. This is a, this is a united fan base, if I can use the you word. In fact, I'll rephrase it. I'll say that we're all together on this one. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I've been watching Liverpool now for about uh, 30 years and this is the best team I've seen. I've got to say, this 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 team. We don't have much much of a weakness. You're right to bring up Fabinho there, but uh, you know Bobby Firmino, his performance yesterday. I mean, he is the man who makes everything tick. Um, Linus, I want to ask you about him, Bobby Firmino. Um, one assist technically yesterday, um, although he should be two. Um, but uh, no, only one assist will be given to him, which is rather harsh. But there you go. Um, he was doing flicks, he was doing tricks. And in Liverpool's renaissance, as you know, we've been talking about since the dark days of, of Roy Hodgson, um, Bobby Firmino has been a true renaissance master. My question, Linus, is should we talk about him as we talk about Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci, or does Bobby Firmino deserve his own category of genius as several levels above these guys? Well, yeah, I think you nailed it home on the law thing there. I think the genius of Firmino goes way beyond the, uh, those two. He, the, the way he is, understands how everyone in our team works, from Adrian in goalkeeper to Mane and Sala up front, it's just... it's nothing short of genius he knows exactly where to be exactly what to do and just does it so perfectly and is so underrated his work ethic his touch his uh, dribbling his passing everything it's just it's it's hard to describe anymore it's just it gets better every time and his uh, output statistically is getting better as well uh, as long as he's uh, as well as his uh, overall game and it's it's a true joy to see that's a lovely answer linus that's absolutely excellent yes bobby firmino Poof, this team gav wow have you got a shirt with anyone on the back and could you make a case to get anybody anybody's name in this liverpool team and it just being like a great player and you know worthy of you know, you know, picking them out as someone who is exceptionally good at football, or is Bobby Firmino really the man who who knits it all together, Gav? I mean, if 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 we lost him, heaven forbid, if we lost him for any manner of time, do you think our form would dip? You would you would think our form might dip, yeah. Um, I don't I don't uh, have any jerseys with any names on the back, but. Going back over previous years, if you were buying a jersey, it was you probably had one or two players that you might want to put on there as the standout player for Liverpool. But at the moment, when you go through them, you know if you look at Allison, you look at Van Dijk, 
you know, you look at Firmino, Salah, Mane, Fabinho. You could you, the names just keep going and going and going. Um, it's hard, you know. If I done a podcast not half an hour ago and we are trying to pick man of the match, and I think between the three of us and and the people watching, we probably had about five or six names down for yesterday. It's just. It's just such a good football team. It really is. You know, you look at Trent Alexander-Arnold, his emergence over the last, last in particular, two years, um, outstanding. Andy Robertson, at Hull, gets relegated, comes to Liverpool, takes a little bit of time to bet in, and is, for me, the best left-back in the world. You know, it's just the progression of this side is, is unbelievable. Picking your best player, really hard to do. Picking your favourite player, really hard to do. Picking a man of the match, really hard most weeks. Uh, but on Firmino, um, he, he just, as much as Van Dijk, you know, defends and, and, and leads that defence and leads the team to a certain extent, Firmino is the man that knits it all together. He's the man that the midfield look for. He's the man that Salah and Mane just love playing with because if you watch that game yesterday, we're a little bit stop-start. We're, a little, we're not running out of ideas, but the, the ideas aren't coming quickly enough like they usually are. Firmino enters the fray and straight away Salah Mane know where to go, when to go. They know if they get themselves in the right position, Firmino will either put it there or give it to somebody that can put it there for them. He's just, he's a magician. The man is a magician as a footballer. He's He is impossible for me to replicate anywhere across this globe. You, I don't think you can go and find a player to replicate uh, Firmino if you wanted to buy somebody to... You know, be his backup or be his, be on standby if he needs a break after long travel after an international break. There is nobody on this planet that can do it, in my opinion. Our, our form may drop if he if he if he goes missing or you know gets an injury or a suspension or anything like that. But but having said that, I've so much belief in this squad that and this manager that if he if Bobby Firmino for some reason or another was to miss four six and God forbid ten games. I've I've so much belief in in the manager and the and the squad to to find a solution. Yeah, me too. I do have a lot of belief in this in this team and yeah, I mean hopefully he would only be missing for I don't know, maybe another half an hour of one more match because it's too much fun watching him, isn't it? Um Mark, um yeah, Bobby Firmino, that third goal, I mean the flick, the one two with Mo Salah. Um I don't know. I've got we we could we could talk all night about it, couldn't we? But uh, give us give us your thoughts on on Bobby Firmino, that flick, and you know other stuff he did in the game that day. That gorgeous lofted ball about two minutes before the flick to Salah. That that lofted pass for Andy Robbo to put him one on one with the goalkeeper. Bobby, I mean, if I go on, I might just start crying. No, you're right. And um, watching Bobby Firmino, it's it's just. It's almost. It's not, it's not that he disrespects opponents or anything, but there is a an obvious confidence or football arrogance in his game to try those chips and to try those flicks. But they they come off so often, so he has every right to. But the thing I love about him is that for all the talent that he has and for the top level that he's playing at in this team and in these competitions, he just looks like he's enjoying himself so much. And obviously, his skill enables him to do that. But um, he's just having so much fun on the pitch. And that, that flick for Salah was just, they're, they're so in sync. Um, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And it was very like the, it reminded me of the one against, I think it was Southampton away a couple of seasons ago in the, in the bright orange kit. When he flicked in, was it, I'm not sure which one it was. That, I think it was Firmino to Salah. 
and a, and a, and a similar lethal finish. But whichever way it was, it's just um, it was very reminiscent of that goal. And I'm sure there's other ones that have happened like that before. But people talk about, you know, which is the best front three in the world. And you can, you know, people talking about Arsenal's will never an amazing front three as well. But there's no front three that plays in, as in sync and they know exactly, telepathically, without even looking up, they know exactly where the other one is. And it's, it's, it's like, I, I sometimes I wonder, did Klopp get a little bit lucky? Obviously, he signed these players. Uh, Bar Firmino, he signed, he signed Salah and, and Mane. But did he? Do you think that he knew how good, just how good they would be um, as a as a trio? Obviously, we knew that he liked Mane from before, from when he was at Borussia Dortmund. He said it was one of his uh, biggest regrets that he wasn't able to sign Mane for Borussia Dortmund. Um, and he's, you know, he's, he's delighted now that he's been able to to, to do that. But well, sometimes I just wonder, did he actually know? Uh, how good these would be or has he been a little bit lucky with it as well? Well, that's a wonderful question. What do you think about it, Louis? I mean, you know, Klopp, did he know exactly what kind of player Bobby would turn into and and uh, Sadio when he signed him? But was he lucky to inherit Bobby? I think he was a slightly fortunate to inherit Bobby, but he he helped, he's helped him massively. Obviously, when, when Roger signed him, I think at Hoffenheim he played more as a number 10 and at times he played... Um, on the flanks, I think, in the 15-16 season, in his first season. Um, yeah, but obviously Klopp's helped him loads. He's, he's transitioned to a number nine, even though obviously he's not an out-and-out number nine. He's definitely transitioned to a slightly different type of player. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's, that's a good question. Obviously, yeah, he wanted to sign Mane at, at Dortmund, but he must he must have known to some extent. Maybe he didn't know how good that they'd actually, how well they'd actually gel together. But, I mean, in, the, the best thing about the front three is they're all individually amazing players. I'd say all three of them are world-class, but as you said, they just the, the balance and the chemistry they have is just... I don't know how, I don't know how you can invent that. I don't know. Maybe no. If he did, he's a genius because, yeah, they're the, they're the, they're the best front three in the world for me because no, no, no other front three in world football is that balanced in terms of... Um, and complement each other in terms of skill sets, dribbling technique, runs off the ball, goals, assists, and yeah, I, I think he might have known, but probably not. I don't think he'd have known that and thought they do as well as they have done, to be honest, but maybe, who knows. Well, it's a very good answer. It's a very good answer. I remember having exactly the, uh, this sort of conversation with a with a friend of mine who's um, who's more of a rugby fan than a football fan, but he kept asking me questions about you know about Liverpool, and I would ask him questions about Leinster rugby team. He's an Irish guy, Pete. If you're listening, hello, Pete. And uh, when Klopp took over, we were having this conversation about you know Rogers, and you know I was just saying how you know he was unlucky, but he made some bad signings, but then Klopp's coming in. And and Klopp will get the credit for Bobby Firmino. I remember saying that to Pete because, I mean, you could see the phenomenal talent that needed to come out. But full credit to Jurgen for, for bringing it out of him. And of course, as you say, yeah, not experimenting with him on the wing, making him the number nine or nine and a half or withdrawn as a ten, you know, inventing that role to get the very best out of Bobby, and it's beautiful to watch. Beautiful to watch. Um, another incident that happened in the match, Sumeya, I, I would like to go to you on this one, was VAR. 
Um, now, this this headlock, this uh, Mexican wrestling move that uh, Lascelles did on Matip by just you know grabbing him round round the neck is kind of a classic headlock and uh, pulling him down backwards to stop him heading the ball. Um, I was thinking about this like and- Andre Mariner um, could well have been unsighted or not really looking you know not had a clear view of the headlock because his arm was the other side of Mariner's vision really but then VAR when they look at it they can only overturn it if it's not a subjective decision that's what they were saying on the on the TV apparently so it's a bit complicated but um you know, I think they were saying because it wasn't technically clear and obvious, as in it it could have been viewed as a subjective decision and the referee didn't give it, so VAR couldn't turn it around or something like that. I don't even know if that makes any sense, Sumaya. I mean, if that's the rule and they were applying the rules correctly, then the rules are a load of tosh, aren't they? It absolutely blows my mind that that was not seen as a clear and obvious penalty. We all know that the rule is if there's contact in the box um, that looks like it could amount to anything, we've, it's, we've seen it given. The second you get your arm around someone's neck, I'm not sure whether he was ex- expected to snap his neck before it was clear and obvious, but to me that's as clear and obvious as it gets. And I guess it just... <laughs> It just goes to show um, there was a lot of conversation surrounding VAR, wasn't there, saying it's going to take a lot of the, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Spontaneity? Yes, it's going to take a lot of that out of the game and there's going to be way too much analysis, way too much planning around it. Um, But I guess it just goes to show that it's just, it's never going to be seen as black and white, is it? We're never going to be able to agree on anything. Same as... um, for example, there was just a handball not given, wasn't there? Which, um, according to the rules, would have been a penalty. However, because it wasn't clearly a clear and obvious smack of the ball, I suppose, with the hands, it wasn't given. So I suppose Vieira is never going to make everything 100%, is it? Well, that's the thing, is that there's still subjectivity around it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you make of it, Louis? VAR, uh, you know, in particular, this decision or or in general about VAR, Louis? I mean, I like it overall because um, it's just trying to minimise errors in the game. But the, I think the big issue with VAR is, yeah, it's, it's re- I like it overall, but it's still being officiated by people and people make mistakes. So... Someone like you could there'd be some decisions that you'd show 100 refs, 50 might say, Oh, that's a penalty, 50 might say it's not a penalty. So at the end of the day, it's still subjective. Whereas, like goal line technology, it's either over or it's not, so it's a lot more simple in that aspect. But I think VAR is good, but the issue with it now is it's flawed at this moment in time. And as things go on, I think over the years, and there'll be loads of obviously massive incidents that will split opinion. Um, and eventually, I think that they won't perfect it, but it will get better the way it's officiated. But right now, it's just frustrating. Like I don't understand why would the ref not go to the side of the pitch to to check to see if that was a penalty? Because if he watches that again, he'd know it's a penalty. I don't know if it's a pride thing or if uh, or if it, yeah, if it's not clear and obvious, he he's not he's not allowed to check it. But right now, it just seems so confusing the rules. No one, no I, everyone I speak to, no one seems to know what's going on with VAR, particularly when you're at a game as well. It's so, so confusing. But 
they, they need to they need to improve the way they're they're using it. But overall, I think it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, because I, I I know that in the Premier League they they haven't actually got the TV monitors on the side of the pitch like they did. Uh, you know, in uh, the Women's World Cup, for example, um, which which for me causes a problem because, um, you know, like like I said earlier, I think I think Mariner was unsighted from his from his vantage point, more or less, of the actual arm around his neck, and he just thought it was a bit of fifty fifty, uh, you know, pulling or tugging the shirt, you know, in the, in the box, which is you know, it's an understandable mistake, uh, for the, if he didn't see it. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's a uh, it's a curious thing. It's 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 pretty divisive. Linus, what's your take on it? Yeah, I think I what? think it was a clear and obvious penalty, and that's the thing with VAR that I I get annoyed at people uh, for bl- actually blaming the VAR as a system because I think that's more to do with the referees in in uh, England and the Premier League because we we see in almost every other time it's used it's working very very well and i think var just highlights the absolute pile of something that the english referees are and it, it and then whenever someone tries to say something about it they get fined by the fa and punished for it so i think the the penalty on matip was clear and uh, the referee obviously missed it, and uh, I still don't think that that could be blamed too much on VAR as much as having just too bad of referees in uh, the Premier League. Yeah, I mean that's a very reasonable answer. Yes, I mean you know it's in if it is subjective and in the you know in up to the interpretation, then how the heck can you interpret that as not a clear and obvious penalty? Absolutely good answer, Linus. But let's move on to happier things and how you know. I mean, Klopp said himself the first twenty-five minutes we struggled, we were a bit slow. We talked about it a little bit before, but he Klopp also used the phrase um, in his post-match press conference, learning from the game the players were able to learn from the game and Gav I want to talk about this because this is something that intrigues me that previous sides didn't have and I think it's something that comes from the manager and that he tells the players how they can learn from the game um, but what does what do you think they did differently as as the game progressed Gav I mean as this you know you could see them trying certain things couldn't you yeah you could see them trying certain things if you if you look back at the arsenal game at home you know klopp said that he he had so many days preparation for that game and and thought he had everything prepared meticulously and arsenal came out and played a dime in the midfield and it threw them you know as soon as he set up a true it didn't tr- well when i say threw them we went and won the game convincingly but for the first couple of minutes liverpool were really good in that game but at the same time we're working out what Arsenal were trying to do with this diamond but they they adapted they went on they won the game they they probably should have won it by more you know people made a lot of Pepe running with the ball for into the corner and stuff like that and making out that Arsenal were were excellent in the game they weren't um that was just Gary Neville and, and Sky telling you that but they they are they are able to learn they are able to adapt because you have to remember there's they can be so fluid in what they do. Like if you if you look at if you look at Newcastle's midfielders yesterday, when Firmino comes on for arguments, like Liverpool or Newcastle's midfielders get the ball and they're looking around to see where Firmino is. Their defenders get the ball, they're looking to see where Firmino is. They're looking to see where Salah is, Mane is, because they know they're going to be, you know, 
set upon nearly by this side whether you have the ball in midfield up front at the back we're, we're going to come and get it off you whether you like it or not learning as the game goes on yeah look the first 25 minutes as, as everyone here has touched on wasn't the best but you could see us slowly before even before the Origi injury we're slowly starting to get things right we're moving them around a bit more we're switching the ball a hell of a lot especially out to Robertson who's getting a little bit more room and, and they're starting to I thought they looked like they were starting to tire after 25 because Liverpool play the ball so much that you have to put so much energy in just to stay in shape listen I, I think Liverpool can go out and play any team in the world any formation in the world and they will find a way around it simply because they've so many adaptable players they really really have you know, Gini Wijnaldum can go out there and can be the best, his best version of a number six. You know, Henderson can do the same. Fabinho is excellent. Oxlade-Chamberlain can play a little bit wide if you want him to, or he can play through the middle. Mane can play anywhere. Salah the same. Firmino would go and play right back for you if you need him to. So, regardless of what we come up against, the the manager, the, the players on the pitch, the coaching staff watching it from the sidelines, they seem to have an answer for everything. And that comes from learning. It, before the game, during the game, after the game, we're going to be hard to stop. We really are going to be hard to stop because, you know, Steve Bruce says that he has a plan and he, he put this plan into action away to Tottenham. Now, if you watch that game away to Tottenham, they score, they sit back and Tottenham don't have an answer. They really don't. Um, but today, Newcastle score, Liverpool have an answer. Then they bring a player on and more answers and we're asking more questions than, than we're having to answer ourselves. Such a good football side, so adaptable, and it's going to take a good side to beat us. I really believe that. I, I mean, I totally agree, Gav. I mean, um, it's <laughs> it's 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 phenomenal how well we adapt, and you know, I think that you know comes to the coaching stuff. Another thing Klopp mentioned in in one of his uh, post game interviews was was how they were able to show pictures to the players at half time, and I think Klopp, you know, from his analysis work and you know that that you read about on German TV, apparently he is an absolute genius at, at looking at the space and in his analysis and you can imagine him giving that to his players and now they just I mean they 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 are really flexible with their tactics and the way they express themselves compared to Pep Guardiola's Man City team Mark did you watch that match Man City uh, against Norwich I mean you know the demolition of Manchester City at the hands of Timu Puki uh, Finland's genius um uh, you know I mean where where does that match and that defeat for City leave us? Yeah, well, I actually I didn't watch the match. I wish that I had done. I was in work and I had a I had a break. I looked onto my phone. I kind of it was one of those games where I didn't have any confidence in in a Norwich result really. So I kind of forgot that it was on to be honest. So I I looked at my phone and the first thing I clicked on was a message from my friend and it said, "Otamendi is so bad." And I thought, if you said that, you know, they must have conceded, something must have happened. So I, I went on the Sky Sports and I saw the result. And then um, oh, it was just it was just brilliant. It was, it was unexpected and it was, it was such a lift. But in terms of where it leaves Liverpool and Manchester City, while Manchester City didn't lose um, against Wolves early on, was it last? Uh, I think it was last season they had a, they had a result, which was... Um, which was, uh, it was, I think, Wolves got an equaliser and it was a draw. It was seen as a, a, bit, a big thing against a, a weaker, at the time, supposedly much weaker team. And um, then they kick on and they can they, they can string a, 
uh, one of well, 12, 11, 10, 12 matches winning one. Um, and Pep Guardiola said that after the game that he knows his team well, he knows what they what they're capable of, what they will do, and what they have done before. So um, we were getting excited at, at things like this come in January, February time last season. You know, this is only five games in, so I, I, w- I wouldn't read too much into it. But obviously, every every setback is a, is a in terms of their results is a positive and. Um, Obviously Laporte, that's that's the big miss for Manchester City, um, and the, the the key game there is uh, well, kind of where the title was essentially won was the games between Liverpool and Manchester City, and interestingly, the game that he's certain to miss is the Liverpool versus Manchester City fixture at Anfield, um, it's obviously more favourable for for Liverpool for him to miss him for the for the fixture that is in our own ground, um, so. That that is something that Manchester City do have to be have to be worried about. It'll give Pep Guardiola headaches. I know he can consider uh, deputising Fernandinho at centre back or Paul Walker, but um, as you as you said, Liverpool can adapt to to any situation now. While Manchester City maybe when put under pressure, do they react in such a positive way? I'm not so sure, but I find it very ironic just listening there and very. Uh, Pleasing to hear how we're all talking, you know, Klopp's and Liverpool's tactical flexibility, and uh, comparing it to manager like Pep Guardiola's. When uh, originally Klopp was criticised for that side of his game, it was kind of um, well, obviously only some people would have said this because you can't win two uh, titles in, in Germany with just being hugs and, and smiles and everything. But I think he is, and he obviously developed since he joined Liverpool as well. He, he's developed and he's learned. Um, from his first couple of seasons, but he's he's so, we're so flexible, and um, so so well drilled and able to adapt to any in-game situation, as you say, learning from the game. So, um, in terms of where I leave Liverpool and Manchester City, I wouldn't I wouldn't read too much into it. And like, well, I say that it's easy to say that and not get a bit excited. And um, I personally think that this is the year where Liverpool will do it, um, in the Premier League, but. Uh, we wouldn't get too ahead of ourselves just yet. Oh, it's a good answer. Yeah, very reasonable. Would would you agree, Sumer, with the, you know, I mean, you know, five wins uh, out of five and a five-point gap, which, as Gary Lineker uh, tweeted, this is the biggest gap after five games in the history of the Premier League. How excited can we get, Sumer, about uh, this? The, I mean, this is going to be our year, isn't it? Surely. I think as a fan, you know, we're always going to get excited about um, such a big gap so early on. And we wouldn't be human if we weren't a little bit excited. Um, I think the biggest difference, I would say, or the biggest advantage we have over Man City, and I've heard this term used a lot, is that our team is a mentality monster. Jurgen Klopp is a mentality monster and he will absorb all of that pressure and make sure that none of the team is feeling that pressure and we're looking match to match and week to week and no one is looking over their shoulder, where's Man City, what's Man City doing? Um, And we are very, very focused. Whereas I think Pep unfortunately struggles with that. Um, It's been very, very easy for Liverpool to get into his head and it shows in 
the recent interview where we had him mocking, oh, congratulations to Liverpool for winning the league, you know, I thought that just showed how much our success is weighing on his shoulders at the moment. And I think his players feel that and they start to get frustrated and they start to lash out and they stop gelling um, as well as we are. I don't think they look like they're having as much fun as we are having. So that's the biggest advantage that I think we have over them. It's our mentality because... um, If you look at the teams, really and truly, we're on par, I would say. Some people would put them an inch ahead of us and some people would put us an inch ahead of them. But there's not that big a difference in terms of teams. I think our mentality is what's taking us that extra step further. And I I do think, you know what, I'm cautiously optimistic that this is our year because of that. Well, that's an excellent answer. Yeah, thank you for that. And yes... um... Um, it, it, it is pretty close between us, but and it's very interesting you use the word fun because yeah, absolutely. Um, Guardiola, it does seem like he's he's feeling the pressure already, and uh, you know by, I think he's done well since he's been there for a couple of years. Uh, you know to 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 put the pressure off his team in terms of putting it on Liverpool, always talking about us as if no one will talk about the fact that that team was, you know, the cost of that team that he put out against Norwich was 400, you know, over 400 million um, compared to Norwich's, which was only about six and a half million. And uh, Louis, I mean, what do you think about you know this situation where we are now you know against Manchester City? I think um, I think we're in a very good position right now. I mean, I'm shocked that there's already a five point gap. I know it's, after five games that is it's a lot, but I, I just don't want to get too carried away. But yeah, obviously it's it's extremely exciting, um, and also with Laporte out, I think he's out till January or something. So that is a massive massive miss for them. He's um, obviously the company retiring in the summer. Um, they lost a massive leader in the dressing room. Laporte was, was excellent last season. He was uh, their best defender, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I do, I do think we're in, a, we're in a very, very good position, but I just don't want to get too carried away. There's, there's such a long way to go. Plus, City squad in general is, is just a joke. Like, they can just rotate with ease. And you know Guardiola will whip the checkbook out in January, probably get Koulibaly from Napoli. Who knows? He'll get someone in. Um, but yeah, we're in a very, very good position. But sometimes it is harder when you're getting hunted. Um, there's been plenty of title title runs where teams have been top for a long, long time and capitulate. But thankfully, we obviously have a very, very good mentality. We didn't, we don't really bottle games ever. I can't remember the last time we properly bottled a game. But yeah, five points is really big at this stage of the season. But for now, I think we should just take everything game by game because obviously we had. We had a good lead last year, but City eventually caught us. But the only thing I'm slightly worried about is um, long-term is December, because obviously the Club World Cup, we've got two more games. And two games doesn't sound like a lot, but in December, there's all, there's so many fixtures. It's probably the hardest, one of the hardest months of the season, easily. And that's why it's, that's why I'm happy that Klopp's rotating now, because it might not seem like it now, but you want, you want your players to be in peak physical condition come the business end of the season. So... We've got the squad to rotate, so why not? doesn't mean we have to rotate heavily every game, but if we can change two or three players every now and then, keep everyone f- uh, fresh and fit, um, it's, it's, it's uh, ideal. Because also we're assuming we're going to get far in the Champions League again, so we're going to need 
everyone's been top condition come yeah the the business end of the season. Uh, Louis, that was a fa- fabulous answer, and uh, you were thinking about. Um... December, we're talking about December and December's fixtures, because uh, I've got them in front of me now. Um, it starts with Everton at home on Wednesday the 4th uh, at 8pm. That's an easy three points. Uh, then it's Bournemouth, Salzburg, Watford. Um, then we go to Qatar. Watford's on the 14th of December. We go to Qatar. We play two games there on the 18th and the 21st. Then we fly back from Qatar. We've got Leicester, one of our bogey teams, just after the Club World Cup on uh, Boxing Day. And then two days after Boxing Day, for some stupid reason, they've given us another game. And there's another quite tricky one, Wolverhampton Wanderers. But that's at home, so it should be marginally easier. easier. And then on January uh, the first, just for a laugh, they've given us another game, which is against Sheffield United. So our fixtures there, I mean, that's a heck of a lot of games. And it will test the strength of our of our squad indeed. Um, yeah, uh, another thing you mentioned, Louis, was the Champions League. And that brings us to the next part of our um, of our episode today. And it's about Napoli. Um Napoli, their form, uh, they've won two against Fiorentina and Sampdoria and they lost one against Juve. Uh, On Saturday, they won 2-0 against Sampdoria, who are bottom of the table. Uh, They've won naught, drawn naught and lost three. Um, Napoli seemed to be in pretty good form going forward. Uh, they had 26 shots, for example, against Sampdoria. Dries Mertens got a couple. But my question to you, Gav, about the Champions League is this particular match against Napoli. I don't, I don't think it matters. Napoli away, I think we can afford to lose. Obviously, we don't want to lose and the players won't want to lose. And obviously, we, we could easily, with the strength of our team, we could easily win. But does it even matter, Gav, this game? Oh, it certainly matters for, you know, um, team morale, I suppose. We're five from five in the league. You know, we have the European Super Cup uh, safely tucked away. So I suppose the momentum that we have at the moment, you want to keep going. But I'm a little bit with you on this. I really am, you know, and I'll be perfectly honest now. I'd League Cup, FA Cup, World Club Cup, Champions League. Listen, if, if we have to go out in the fourth round of all of them and, well, I suppose the semi-final stage of this World Club Cup, if we have to go out of the first available opportunity in these in these cups, let's put it that way, I'll happily take it if it, if it gives us a league title. I've said that. I've said it a long time, um, but this season, you know, you look 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 at City last season. They do ninety eight points in a quarter final of a Champions League. We do ninety seven and win the Champions League. You know, if Liverpool can play five percent less than they did last season, performance wise, they probably win a league title and go out in a quarter final. They that that's that's the truth of the matter. Uh, but this this, you know, I, I think all. Everything should be pointing towards the league. That's just my opinion. That's just how I feel. Um, I think somebody said earlier they feel that it was, it may have been Mark says that he feels that this is the year that we're going to win the league. I'm 100% with him on that. Um, I think, and then Louis speaks about the five points that were ahead after five games. It's it, it, Five points isn't an awful lot. It's a win and a draw, you know. Um, you know, or you draw and lose one, and, and it's we're all we're all level again. You know that kind of way, but it, the psychological thing is huge. You know, Guardiola after being beaten by Norwich 
can't help but talk about Liverpool. You know, that's a sign that anyone that tells you different, I think, is, is lying to themselves. That's an absolute sign that we are in his head and we are, we've been in his head for a long, long time. Tuesday's going to come. Looking at the way we played uh, yesterday, I can see Henderson coming back in. You may see Gomez play. You know, he, I think he'll go with the normal front three. And then we have, what, five days until Chelsea away, if I, if I remember right. It does matter for momentum, but I'd be happy to go away to Napoli, take a point, come back and say, right, three home games, win those three in the group, you have 10 points, and you still have two games there that could be dead rubbers. If you do get beaten, you want Napoli to go and absolutely storm this group with five wins and a draw or something like that, because it puts the other two away if if you're going to win your home games. But look, I'll take a draw on Tuesday night, absolutely. A win would be amazing. A loss wouldn't be a massive thing but I'd just like to see us keep this momentum going so I'm looking for a draw at least interesting stuff yeah great answer what's your take on it Mark I mean are you overly fussed about this one no I'm, I'm not to be honest I was uh, I, I, I agree with, with what you were saying before um, I think if you look at last season the in the group stage we, we went through with nine points I think it was we lost I think all was it was it was it all three game, away games we lost and we won the three home games. It's not actually that difficult to qualify out of a out of the Champions League group. And when it, when it's so close in the league, and you're actually sitting back and talking about the FA Cup games and the League Cup games, this is 100% the game. Where I mean, I'd even look at maybe bringing in Lovren, playing in this game, giving Shakiri some time, because Chelsea away won't be an easy game. Um, they, they, they cause us a lot of problems, albeit with a altered starting 11 from us for the Super Cup game. But they did cause us problems, and in all honesty, they were actually the better team. Um, especially definitely until the point where uh, Firmino was introduced. So you know, I, I wouldn't, I would not be overly fussed about this game. Of course, it'd be good to keep at least uh, an unbeaten run going, but. No, I, I, I really, I won't, I won't complain if, if this game doesn't go to plan. If we make a couple of changes, um, because it's, it's actually just not necessary to win it. Um, staying with you, Mark. I mean, would that would that include uh, possibly resting one of the front three? Yeah, it's, it's, you can't never really rest all of them. You can rest one of them, um, with Shakiri. But I, I find it, I don't know which one needs more of a break, um. Where I don't know, I don't know if you can say which one needs needs more of a break, but between Mane and Salah, I'm not sure which one. It would be interesting to see what other people think. Who you prioritise in terms of um, keeping them fresh and fit? Who needs it more? I know that they both have stayed behind at the international break as well, but uh, I, I I would rest some of the front three at any given opportunity then again having said that they never do we always talk about this and they never do you never look at the front three and say that they're tired as such that can happen in maybe in other areas of the team they kind of they're always so buoyant and energetic in their performances they never seem to tire but it's a long season and I, I would like I'm always up for giving Shakiri a game I think he deserves more of a chance uh, more, more games than he gets and I love his enthusiasm when he's coming on even the other day you know, three one up, and it's the 80th minute or whatever. And he's so pumped up to come on. He's ready. He's ready to go. So I love Shakiri. I'd love if he if he got a game. And also, um, it looks like Rian Brewster will be involved in the, in the in the squad for that game. Um, due to the injury of Origi. So yeah, I think it's a time to experiment. It's obviously not overly experiment. That would be the MK Dons game. 
Well, yeah, I, I, if, if it was possible, I would like to rest at least one of the front three. Who that is, I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, you know, as you say, I mean, it's hard to say, it, hard to choose one. Um, to you know, it depends on their fitness, and then you know, only the fitness coaches will will probably know uh, who who needs it more than others. But um, but no, it's interesting. Yeah, the idea of dropping uh, one of the front three, bringing the shack in. Uh, would you be uh, you know behind that idea, uh, Louis? What do you think? Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be up for that. Um, yeah, if, I mean, if if we lose on Tuesday, it's not the end of the world. But I'd I'd definitely take a draw because. When uh, when Napoli comes to Anfield, I'm, I'm confident we'll turn them over anyway. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd be up for that. I mean, I guess it'd be between Salah and and Mane if you were to rest one of the front three right now, because obviously Bobby started on the bench on um, on Saturday. But I'll be fine with that. I wouldn't have an issue if one of them got rested. I mean, yeah, this conversation's been going on for a couple of years, but they're so they're such they're so durable. All three of them. They're not only they're amazing footballers, they're incredible athletes as well. Been able to press for 90 minutes, play 50 odd games a season for club and country, probably 60 really. I mean, and obviously Mane and Salah were both at the African Cup of Nations, and obviously both at um, both at the World Cup the year before. So they're, they're phenomenal athlete, athletes. But I'll be more than happy if one of them got rested on Tuesday. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. They are really good athletes and they are, um, you know, yeah, probably able to play on Tuesday as well. Um, yeah, uh, but, you know, you mentioned, Mark, a little bit before, if Divock is out and maybe Brewster, uh, you know, Rian Brewster is someone I'd like to to, to talk about, really. Um, Sumeo, I'm going to go to you on this one, though. Rian Brewster, is, is he... I mean, we've only seen little bits of him, but do you get the impression, um, on sort of first impressions, if you like, that he is able to step up if Div is out? You know, in general, maybe not necessarily very difficult away tie in the Champions League, but just in general, if uh, Divock is injured, um, has Brewster got enough in of in his game to be a sort of deputy? striker for us i do think he is a promising young footballer and like you said um i doubt the place to experiment that much will be um quite a big away tie in the champions league however i do think we'll see him next week against mk dons um i do think he'll be given a chance to show what he's made of i've not seen a lot of the um Liverpool youth matches, I'm not going to lie, so I don't know exactly what we're working with with Brewster. But I've seen bits and pieces and think he should definitely be given a chance to show us what he's made of. Well, fair enough, fair enough. And and uh, what, 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 what are your thoughts about the Napoli game? I do reckon, like as has been said before, I reckon it is important that we focus on the league. I don't think anyone is more focused on the Champions League than the league itself this year. And while it's still important for momentum, I think that we don't lose. I think we've been quite lucky in that we haven't actually got a very tough group. So we can afford to kind of go 100% on the league and give this maybe 75% and still come out on top. I don't think anyone's looking to do I don't think the team itself is doing looking to do anything less than win all those matches 
because I think we can take every single one of the teams out. Um, but like I said, we can probably do that at about 70% effort and then focus on the league. That's Yeah, that's an excellent answer. Yes, absolutely. We have been uh, blessed with this Champions League group with Salzburg and Genk. Um, although I did feel, uh, you know, <laughs> last year that Red Star Belgrade would have been an easy six points, but that didn't turn out that way. But, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, if there's one team this one thing this team is good at, it's its learning, as we've been discussing. Um, so I'd like to thank you all very, very much for, for, for joining me. Um, we do sort of, you know, we have run out of time without talking about so many things that I was going to mention. You know, Cater being back next week, that's exciting. Alison back uh, after the next international break, which should be Man United on the 20th of October, it means we've got six more games with Adrian. God, we could talk all night. We could talk all night about Chamberlain coming back. We could talk all night about Vinaldum and his excellent performance and the fact that we, as a team, average 90% pass completion against uh, Newcastle, but Jeannie Vinealdum was up at 97% from 78 passes. Extraordinary stuff. But we didn't have time to, to, to talk about any of that. But uh, thank you so, so much. Um, we've already lost Linus. He had some connection problems. He was in Sweden. Sameer's in uh, Zambia. Uh, Louis in England. And Gav and Mark are in Ireland. Thank you all so, so very much for being on this episode. It's been a real pleasure. So that sort of brings us to the end of uh, Copon Podcast, I'm afraid, uh, for another uh, week or so. Um, absolutely lovely that you could make it. Thank you again. Really, thank you. Thank you. Liverpool, five points clear at the top of the league already. And uh, I normally like to find some kind of poem that, um, you know, speaks to me about our current situation. And uh, this week I, th I thought I'd branch out a little bit and go into some song lyrics for this this kind of poetry that I found. Um, it goes like a, a, a bit like this. I got five on it. Grab your 40. Let's get keyed. I got five on it. Messing with that Indo weed. I got five on it. It got me stuck and knocked on back. I got five on it. Partner, let's go half on a sack.